Welcome everybody to the Way of the Blade, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, from Segunda Caída blog and the author of The Way of the Blade, 100 of the Greatest Bloody Matches in Professional Wrestling History. I am talking to my friend Eduardo Martinez, who's a journalist, an activist, and longtime wrestling fan, and we are going to be discussing, as we do on this podcast, one of the matches from the book. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Pirata Morgan versus L Dandy from September 23rd, 1988. Hair versus hair. Uh, how are you doing, Eduardo? I'm doing really good, really good. Thanks for having me here, Phil. This is a, this is I, I think you actually are the source of this on YouTube, right? You uploaded this match on YouTube. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, I actually uploaded it on YouTube from the video that uh, many, many years ago that Otani's jacket, um, Danielle, sent to me. And he was the one that um, got it on DVD after renting it from that video store in Japan. Right, this was kind of this weird, in for internet wrestling tape trading nerds like me and you, this was like <laughs> a weird holy grail for the long time because people were aware that video of this match existed people had talked about seeing a the like cover of like a commercial video in japan of both of these guys absolutely saturated in their own blood it was like we got to find somebody in japan who can get to a video store it was like a whole it was like a heist movie almost to get a copy of this uh match but yeah our friend uh daniel got a copy of it got it to us we put it on the uh death valley driver 80s lucha set and then it, you know it's it's been out there for a couple of years now, and it's a, it's a it's a corker for sure. Yeah, it's funny because I remember that very vividly because I think um, I think it was Jose Fernandez who had told uh, Otani's jacket about the video, and then we had all heard about it. And I I remember like the night when uh, Otani's jacket Otani's jacket finally like got it on DVD because uh, it was like a big deal, like you said, like, like we were, had all been anticipating this for like. For a long time, because we had heard the stories about like this videotape. <laughs> it was out there. It was, it was like uh, the, the the Ark of the Covenant or something like that. If <laughs> instead of for religious artifacts, it's just uh, uh, two Mexican guys chopping each other's forehead and spitting blood in the air. Um, <laughs> so this is uh, this is uh, from the eighties. This was a hair versus hair match. These guys, you know, I, a lot of these um, lucha libre feuds didn't have really like big setups to them the way you'd see feuds in American wrestling kind of a lucha a lot of times they'll just be in some trios matches and decide to start beating the hell out of each other and then eventually just put their hair up which I think was the context for this I, I'm not sure if uh, about any other context are you conscious of any other context they didn't have a big angle or anything like that right I don't think there was like any particular context was, yeah I was trying to find more information and more like uh, history regarding like what led to this match and it doesn't seem like there's like that much context so I, I imagine that's what ended up happening that there was like some trios matches where like things got heated up and then yeah and then it just led to this match <laughs> and Parada he's a guy who like uh, I don't you know has been a hair match guy he loses his hair I think even now, every like four or five months, right? He grows it out, <laughs> you know, wages it, loses it. That's a part of when you when, when the Morgan family budgets budgets out there, budget for the year. I think he counts on like two or three head shaving uh, payoffs for it. So he's a guy, uh, maybe, maybe the best 
hair match wrestler of all time? Like, I can't, I'm trying to think, you know, we've got a, a nice sampling of a bunch of them on, on, mm-hmm. on tape. I've got written up two of them in the book, but I could have done three or four more easily. Um, but he is, he's a guy who is in these matches a lot and pretty much consistently delivers every time he's in one. Exactly. Like even like like you mentioned, even to this day, like even a couple of years ago here in the in the Rio Grande Valley, he had like a hair versus hair match at a flea market. So like like you said, I think every six months, every few months he, he ends up having one. Yeah. He loses them. I think he's probably his record's probably not great. Uh but you know, his record for being in things that entertain me is is stellar. Like it doesn't get better than Parada Morgan coming out in with a you know, with his hair on the line. For sure. Yeah, because the other famous ones, too, I think these were really popular in um, on Death Valley Driver were with El Faraón and uh, Masacre, because both those matches were also really bloody, and they are like, from a couple of years after this match was El Dandy. Um, yeah, the the Faraón one is in the, is in my book, too. So he that's uh, that's also in here. I'll do a podcast about that one. I might call you back for it. I, I'm clear, but the, maybe I'll call you back for a different one. But yeah, that's another one. And I could have put the Masakura one in there too. But at some point, there's only so many ways to talk about Parada Morgan uh, biting a guy. Um, <laughs> and I, I, this, I think this this match has got... It's sort of a, a signature Parada spot where it'll take a deep bite of somebody's mm-hmm. forehead and then spray blood in the air muda mist style mm-hmm. and it's something he does a lot it's real gross and i think this is the one where it's the most most viscous of all of them like <laughs> the ones i've seen this is the one where he really he really gets like oh he really gets a mouthful uh and it really it really is just just uh, a gruesome sight yeah like i I think for one of the message boards, maybe Pro Wrestling Only or, or Wrestling KO, I used um, the screenshot of him like biting Dante and then blowing the mist into the air. Just because it's such a such an iconic spot, and yeah, I think he has done it like in other matches with I think Volador and I forget who else, but uh, it's a classic Pirata Morgan spot. But I think in this particular match, it, it works really well. The, he does it and then it, it's cool that later in the match El Dandy returns the favor and starts doing that to Pirata Morgan which I don't think I had seen before somebody do that back to Pirata it's a as a favor too what a favor <laughs> <laughs> and so and, and the, other, the other guy in this match is El Dandy who I th- it's interesting I think uh, sort of somewhat unfortunately I think he's best known as like a punchline Mm-hmm. Right, which is the Bret Hart promo. The Bret Hart promo. I think isn't that pro- would you assume the way most people who are you know wrestling fans, but maybe not enormous lucha fans like me and you would know El Dandy from. He was a guy who was in had this sort of run in WCW where they were just bringing in all of these incredible wrestlers and then having them wrestle for four minutes on the main event once a month or something like that. <laughs> in, a, in a nice chunk of his sort of late prime. Was uh, was you know I wasted. There was some fun stuff in WCW with him, but he was never a guy that would even get like 
the push of uh, Hector Garza or something. He was always one of those real undercard dudes. And you could mm-hmm. search out a great, you know, a great El Dandy, you know, Robbie Rage match on the pro or something like that. But it isn't the same <laughs> as watching El Dandy work, you know, a Puesta's <laughs> matches in Arena Mexico for sure. Yeah, um, exactly. I think there's also like a, a good five minute Fit Finley match, but that's, there's not that much out yeah. there, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, at some, you know, at some point, uh, Eric, uh, my buddy Eric, your buddy Eric, for I runs the I do Segunda Kaida with is going to do an overarching watch every second of WCW footage that exists and review it all. And I imagine he'll find a dandy, a dandy gem or two that we just don't know about. But for the period, like I would say, through you know the late '80s when we start to get footage of them, and the footage we have from the late '80s in Mexico is much spottier than in the '90s for sure. Mm-hmm. I think you'd argue he was a one of the five or six best wrestlers in the world from mm-hmm. around 88 to around 93 or 94. Yeah, it's interesting because um, um, many years ago, I remember I was talking to Steve Sims, um, asking him who, he, who were considered like the best workers in Mexico during the late 80s, early 90s. And he said it was El Dandy, Fuerza Guerrera, Negro Casas, and Pirata Morgan. And... So like this hair versus hair match involves like two of those four, two of the, like two of the people who are considered the most complete luchadores from that time period. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I think the one thing that I I don't know if I struggle with in this match. I think what Dandy was known for as a guy who, when he worked some in Japan and then came back and brought in some of those Japanese influences into lucha libre. And I think sometimes that works well in his stuff. I think in some ways in this match, it's a little bit of a detriment. It felt to me like in this match, we got a little too many near falls mm-hmm. in a way that felt more Japanese than Lucha. In a way mm-hmm. that you kind of, I, I, I like it kind of uncut. You know what I mean? I like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like my lucha libre Apuesta's <laughs> matches stepped on. I like it to be like pure. <laughs> The pure stuff. And it felt a little bit like, especially maybe the last six minutes of this match, it really is the only quibble I have with it, that it felt a little cut. Yeah, I think there's a, a few too many like transitions and a few too many spots towards the end. And uh, you could definitely tell, because yeah, Dandy was one of those guys that apparently he like studied a lot of New Japan and EWF tapes also and tried to incorporate a lot of that into um, his style and I think uh, it also kind of depends on the day, too, because sometimes it does bother me watching this match, but then some other days I'm, like, fine with it, too. So. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think it is, it's, a, it's a mild critique at best, because I, I, think it, it would, I think it would really, I would really have problems with it. I think the amount of blood that gets spilled in this match covers up a lot of sins. <laughs> right, like, like that is really. I mean, it, you know, it's a gruesome thing to say, but if this is a a podcast about bloody wrestling, right? So you know, I, I feel okay with it. This, you know, this is they are drenched. This is a rainstorm, and you know, at some point, you know, like while a, you know, this suplex two point nine count thing might bug me in a lucha match. When they're he slips off because he's just covered in so much blood that he can't hold a pin. I, I like accept it a little more. <laughs> This is 
Oh yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. Like within two minutes, he's covered. El Dandy's covered in blood, so it gets bloody immediately. Yeah, this is this is I. One of the things I'm, I've done in this book is I kind of used blood as a a sufficient, a necessary component. Like if it had it, it was fine, right? I would put a batch in there. Um, and so there are some matches in here that where the blood is somebody's got a little bit of a bloody mouth, right? Or mm-hmm. they end up with a bloody nose, or there's a little cut or something on the arm. And I go, okay, it counts, so I can write about it. So there's some stuff in here. This is a match that is truly in the spirit of this book, in the sense that this is up there with, you know, Mudahase or or maybe <laughs> as, as like the bloodiest thing in here. They are just, they just go after it in a way and and Prada you know I I I say Prada is like one of the great lemons into lemonade wrestlers of all time because he famously I mean maybe you could talk famously he became Prada Morgan because (laughs) he missed a tope Mm -hmm. and landed face first on the concrete floor and busted his eye like a grape yeah, like, so he has an interesting story because uh, I was, um, a while back, I was watching an interview he did with Elijo de Santo, and he has, like, a really interesting history, I guess, regarding his eye because he was talking about how when he was a little kid that, um, he broke, well, he had different, this is, like, three chapters, so, like, the Let's hear it. I, I didn't listen. I don't speak Spanish very well, so I wouldn't have... And I think a lot of these people out here probably haven't heard the story. Tell us the story of Parada Morgan's eye. I'm excited. <laughs> so, when he was a little kid, apparently, um, he was hanging out um, outside his home, and he was getting... Uh, like, he just felt like breaking some beer bottles, some glass bottles. So, he started uh, breaking some bottles, and a piece of the glass came back and hit his eye. And um, when his mom came out, he decided to blame the neighbor. <laughs> so, like, uh, the mom got really after the neighbor, even though it was really pirata that was just, like, causing trouble outside his home. But his eye got repaired, and it was fine. And then a few years later, he was playing um, football or soccer. I mean, he said football, but I'm imagining it was probably soccer, as we know it here in the U.S. But, um Somebody kicked the ball into his eye, and it hurt his eye again. So, um, again, they kind of repaired it, but it was still a bit damaged from from the soccer ball hitting his face. And then um, a few years, well, many years later, in, in, the, in 1981, when he was having that match, he does that flying tope to the outside, and um, that was the end of, of the eye. And ultimately, uh, his brother apparently visited him in the, ho- um, in the hospital, and gave him the idea of wearing the eye patch and becoming Pirata Morgan, getting the the pirate gimmick. And apparently he only took, like, a week off because he was back to wrestling, like, a week later. That was a different... This is a, <laughs> Lucha Libre is different, man. That's crazy. <laughs> took a week off. Well, like, let's scoop this thing. Get, get, a, get a grapefruit uh, a baller. <laughs> Just scoop this sucker out. Throw an eye patch on there. I got... Two dates to work at Alisco next week. <laughs> it also sounds like almost like a Final Destination movie. Like they were coming for his eye. They kept coming. You know, the fates were coming for his eye, and eventually they got it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, he told Elijo Santo that he thinks it was like his destiny at some point that he was going to lose his eye, and it finally happened in 1981. God. Um, and of course, what, what I mean by that is, I think that was what that eye patch. It, and, you know, losing the eye, I think, is what sort of 
really, you know, propelled him to superstardom in a lot of ways, right? He had that, he lost that eye, he put on the eye patch, he embraced the gimmick, and then of course he has one of the great magic tricks in professional <laughs> wrestling, which is a bit, his ability to blade his empty socket. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think he does it in this, I mean, I think more famously in, in the, in the, um, in the, um, Farone match, but he does it here too, but it's just like, where he's got this ability, just like, goes right there and it looks like he is bleeding, his eye has got shot in the eye, and he's, it really is like a, I mean, it's a visually, you know, impressive, I guess, is that the right word? Vibrant? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it really is like a, something where you see, you're like, my god, that is gruesome. And I, you know, in some ways, I think, I, I mean, I, probably was a tremendous, I think he probably would have been successful you know, at some point, talent just, you know, will, will win out in this kind of thing. But I think it really was the his his magic trick and his secret that allowed him to become successful. The fact that the gods or whoever were coming for that eye from childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you said, like, I think, yeah, the gimmick really, like, helped push him over the top and really got him known. Because, like, I think, like, he was wrestling as, I think, Pedro Morgan before um, that happened and just that gave him that colorful gimmick and and I guess he was always going to be like a really great worker but like this added that bleeding aspect to his gimmick where he could bleed <laughs> where his eye used to be hmm. um yeah so I uh, it's 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 funny I, he's still he's still wrestling right Brother Morgan I mean he's got to be in his body he's one of these things where you know luchadors mm-hmm. just keep going until they're it's, seven it's funny he was I saw Pirata Morgan actually in January wrestling a trios match that also involved El Hijo de Santo. And um, it was really fun because both guys are like, well, into like their late 50s at this point. And, but you could, they could, uh, at least El Hijo de Santo, El Hijo de Santo could still really go. And uh, Pirata Morgan does like, like a lot of brawling and a lot of like really good shit talking. So like Pirata, like, uh, I don't know if like um, American fans know how good Morgan is. Pirata is that um talking shit i guess during his matches <laughs> like they add a lot of like flavor to it and uh so that was fun seeing him in january and i didn't get a chance to see him um this past saturday but he was actually at a nearby restaurant like signing night patches for fans psyched <laughs> like uh you get a whole new uh a whole new side project uh business signing COVID masks Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> get a, it's a whole new uh, revenue stream. That's cool. Yeah, I saw Santo last year. I, I'm in Denver now, and one of the weird things about Denver is they've got this incredibly vibrant Lucha Libre scene, which is something I did not know before I moved here. But there are like three or four separate Lucha Libre promotions that have, were running pretty consistently pre-COVID. Some of them are still running, but I'm not going. But so you who would often who would bring in guy, you know, guys from Mexico every month, and sometimes they even run against each other, which I always think is really insane. It's like you guys are running the same day. I have to like choose to go to one of these. Why run run tomorrow? And I go well. All right. So I saw Santo. Yeah, Santo is a guy who just. I mean, you could you squint and watch a Santo video from uh, six months ago, and and if you if it wasn't dated and you told me it was from 1997, you go, yeah, I buy it. Really, is a guy who doesn't seem to have aged at all, uh, hardly ever, when it comes to the athleticism of what he does. And Parada is a guy who's put on, you know, he's a guy who, in addition to bleeding a lot, was a guy who took 
big, heavy, hard bumps, you know, to the floor over and over again. He was a guy who was a real, you know, for a long time, a very athletic bumper. And I think even after he lost some of his athleticism would still like fall hard. Yeah, like he had like a signature bump that like he would be on the apron and sometimes they would like hit him or kick him and then he would just like do a somersault out to the concrete or to the wooden floor and it just looked so brutal and he did that so many times over over like 20 years and eventually that's just gotta i mean that's a no matter how superhuman you are eventually you just get flipped to the concrete you know because you know i'm sure prada morgan worked probably what Eight shows a week for 25 years. <laughs> Ten shows a week. I mean, luchadors work, wrestle a lot. I mean, there's they're such a tiny percentage of the actual of the actual stuff that they, lucha that exists that's on tape. Where something like Japanese wrestling, they're obviously holes. But, you know, we, got, we have a nice chunk of that, right? Current American indie wrestling, almost all of it gets taped somehow. Right, Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's like these guys are, you know, they have a, a Saturday afternoon and then a Saturday evening, and then they're working a Sunday, you know, flea market show in the morning, and then another one at night, and then it's something on Tuesday. I mean, these guys just wrestle all the time. I remember when I was in Mexico City, I would just, you know, you'd look at the lucha magazines just for the shows that were happening. You're like, God, there's like twenty five, thirty shows today in Mexico City somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like you said, I think in the eighties, yeah, definitely, Pirata Morgan was wrestling like. At least like five shows a weekend, or maybe more. So it's crazy to think about. And is one of those guys who does not, uh, you know, there are some wrestlers that you can, you could, you know, you'll get a video of something, and you'd be like, oh yeah, this is his, this is his Wednesday afternoon effort, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like this is his Wednesday afternoon effort. That's fine. Okay, this is like I got it. I don't. I've in my experience of watching Prada Boy and Dandy too, for that matter. Uh, during his, you know, big long time in Mexico, there wasn't Wednesday afternoon efforts. They would, they he'd take those bumps to the floor, he'd bleed, he'd, you know, wherever he was, and you know, which is admirable. Although I imagine when you keep doing it until his age, he's got to wake up, wake up in the morning feeling his, feeling those bumps to the concrete. Dandy takes an insane bump in this match. Morgan just picks him up and just body slams him over the top rope, flat back directly to the floor. Yeah, the second fall, that was a wild bump, because, like, I don't remember, I don't think I've seen Dandy take a bump like that before, so that was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, we're, it was a, we're in a hair match. Mm-hmm. And then, um, in the third fall, Dandy hits a, a beautiful tope, I, I shared it on, on Twitter last night, because I was watching the match again, and it's, like, one of the best topes I've seen Danny, Dandy do, just because, like, the form, and the way Pirata also absorbs the tope, and bumps off it it's so great to watch it was over the top right like he doesn't do (laughs) between the ropes those are harder to do yeah it was over the top and without him like touching the rope so like he just perfectly leaped over the top rope yeah i think it's harder to get the the amount of force in that because like i think you're like best topes are usually between the ropes because you can just run straight and go straight right like you can put all of the force into the into the tope and if you're going over the top rope you have to actually leap over right so it's it's like you, you take some of that force and you and use it for the leap up as opposed to the run straight exactly you know? so it kind of loses that so it, it, it is it's an incredible tope it's it's you know uh worth 
just watching the match for that because he gets like through the ropes force on an over the ropes tope, which I think is really hard to do. And then the angle too is difficult too because like when you're going between the ropes, you're kind of closer to where the wrestler is. So by jumping over the ropes, it's kind of like a more difficult angle to achieve. So like I just love that tope. And El Dandy would bust it out from time to time like during big matches. So that was kind of like a signature tope he did. Because um, I remember I think he even did it like sometime in the mid-90s. That might have been like the last time I've seen Dandy do it was like in the mid-90s. But he would bust it out from time to time. Yeah, I wonder if there's like a random Nitro trios. Because you know, those always had dive trades. And, and <laughs> I, so I'm wondering if there's one where Dandy breaks it out. Uh, he was usually just wandering in there and throwing right hands at those mostly, but uh, uh, they has got a great right hand, so it's, you know, didn't always need. It's kind of, you always got to send some of those, he was like, I'll let Super Callow handle that. I'll, I'll, I'll let the kids, I'll let the kids do the, the craziest stuff in this match. Me and the Viados will be over here throwing chops at each other. Let, let Uvin do Guerrero kill himself. <laughs> Wild and dandy. He was so like it's wild, but like we you mentioned it earlier that like I think a lot of American fans don't realize how great he really was because like during this period um, with Pirata Morgan and then he had these classics with El, Sat- El Satanico a couple of years later and Angel Azteca too and um, Emilio Charles and um, so many others Javier Llanes later on and like Negro Navarro like. He had so many great matches as Dandy. Yeah, there is a uh, 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 Javi, one of the Javier. He had a, a couple of hair matches against Javier Yanis. One of them we have, which is pretty good, and then one of them, uh, which it doesn't doesn't exist as I mean it may exist, but does not you know isn't out there. Mm-hmm. Um, was the match that apparently the CML announcers would always refer to <laughs> when they talked about bloody matches. Like this is almost oh, yeah. as bloody as this <laughs> We're approaching the bloodiness of El Dante Javier Yanis here. <laughs> he keeps hitting this mic. So that's always been like one of those matches. You know, I've got <laughs> a huge list of matches that I hope someday will show up, right? It, you know, from the, one of the things about being a, a wrestling fan, you know, getting access to so much stuff, but there is always everyone's got who's a big enough footage nerd like I am, you are too. There's always like a list of stuff in your head. It's like, oh man, if I get my hands on that. And so <laughs> the the reference point Aldani Javier Yannis match is always what I wanted to see. We're like, that's the thing. Where the guy said, oh, this is bad, but you want to talk about bad. <laughs> yeah, like, and we're like talking like a couple of months ago about that, um, that in 2000, there's an El Hijo de Santo Blue Panther match that apparently was super bloody in Monterrey, and we we're trying to get a copy of that. But I don't know what happened to the guy. But hopefully, one day we'll get a copy of that match because it looked really bloody. Yeah, that's definitely on the list of 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 things that we know are out there that someday may show up. I mean, I always like the uh, there was all of that Houston wrestling footage that was out there for a while. We were getting it once a week. Then the guy sold it to. Billy Corgan, and then the, the the faucet stopped. Apparently, that actually has Santo matches, like oh, actual wow. El Santo matches, are part of that footage. Uh, that's just sitting in Billy Corgan's uh, 
you know, basement somewhere. <laughs> just, <Yeah. laughs> God damn it. I know. I was always, more, so I was always more of a Pearl Jam guy anyway. Doesn't I don't have to like uh doesn't have to, I don't have to I can hate that guy and not feel like it's killing my heroes or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> and um what do they I don't know if you um you know, but what one of Pirata well his main nickname is um El Mejor Luchador del Mundo. And um apparently the the story that um that goes into how he got the nickname was that the year before this match was El Dandy, he was having like a streak of um, apuesta matches, of hair versus hair matches, and I'm I'm not sure who was the first guy he beat, but then the following week he beat um MS Uno, and then that led to um, a hair versus hair match with um, El Satanico, and apparently it was like a really bloody back and forth match. There's no tape, unfortunately, but um, eventually he ended up losing to El Satanico by low blow, and um, the crowd was really upset when he lost, and apparently some fans were chanting that uh, Pirata should have won because he was the mejor luchador del mundo. And um, the CMLL announcer, um, Armando Gaitan, he picked up on that. And um, I guess the following week, he started calling Pirata Morgan the mejor luchador del mundo. And uh, even to this day, like um, earlier this year when I saw him, he still uses that nickname, el mejor luchador del mundo. That's awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Satanico match must have been yeah. incredible. Uh, yeah. Always, you know, but it's like you always get to that thing. It's like you, you're feeling good about your day, and then you think, ah, satanic match, Prada match, <laughs> probably sitting in a CMLL vault somewhere. I'm never gonna get to see curses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, <laughs> so but the story of this match, in a lot of ways, is that someday somebody's gonna get to the video store and make a copy of it, right? Like it's all gonna. <laughs> Eventually, if you wait long enough, and you know the guy in Monterey will show up with Blue Panther or uh, uh, El de Santo, or somehow we'll get our hands on the French archives of the 1950s, 1960s. This is what we did last year. And what's the quote? The curve of history uh, tends towards justice. I'm messing the quote up, but it's like that with wrestling footage too. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, and it's like the same thing because like something can pop up that we had no knowledge about kind of like um when that nwa houston footage was coming out like i had never heard of that terry fun carly race match from houston and that ended up being really awesome to watch yeah one of the one of the all time that's in that's uh that's on the uh, we'll i'll that's in the book i wrote that up for sure that's gonna be i'll do a podcast on that match eventually as well <laughs> have to figure out uh if anybody has terry funk's phone number um <laughs> but yeah no so it, this is like uh it is. It is like one of those things. It's just the the internet uh, has been a probably overall damaging thing for humanity. I would say. There's <laughs> probably if you had to to put the scales of, of of its value against the harm that it's caused. Unclear where it <laughs> ends up, but it has the the there are small advantages. Like it's been easier to do things like uh, find cool wrestling matches from the from long ago or make friends with people that you wouldn't necessarily be friends with or, or know otherwise, right? That's so true, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I've met some... Like, I still haven't met you, but I've met, like, Eric in person and um, and Tom in person. Hopefully we'll get to meet someday because that'll be really awesome. I, I just love... Just the idea of ever seeing another person in person again sounds great to me. Under any circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> like, someday we might actually be able to see another person that isn't, you know, like... 
I see my wife, I see my kids, I see my in-laws. I stay away from people in the grocery store, but that's pretty much it these days. <laughs> Although this is the pod, the way we're doing, you know, a little bit under the hood here. I'm pre-recording a lot of these, and uh, so mm-hmm. maybe by the time this gets released, well, everybody will be, will be back to normal. I don't know when when I'm going to release it. So maybe this will just be an art of, these jokes will be an artifact of a sad time in the past, and we'll be in the <laughs> middle of a, a wonderful future to come, right? I think as everything is, everything is uh, possible when you look to, <laughs> very philosophical on this podcast about Brian Morgan and LDN. <laughs> I know, yeah. And yeah, I'm curious if they had more matches because, um, well, they have had, I know that for sure they had trios matches, but like, I wonder if they had like more like hair versus hair matches because sometimes these luchadores, they end up ha- like El Dandy and Satanico, they had like a bunch of hair versus hair matches. And I know um, I mentioned earlier Pirata and Satanico having one in 87, but I know years later in 93 and Triple A, they had another one and that one was really good too um so i'm i'm wondering yeah if there's maybe another dandy pirata morgan match out there that we don't know about this is this is feels like an answerable at least a partially answerable question so i'm doing i'm on my computer i'm looking up prada morgan on lucha wiki where they've got a list of his apuestas matches Mm -hmm. now this is not uh this is not by any means uh exhaustive right because one of the things we talked about was that you know these guys wrestle so much mm-hmm. and while this would probably have if they ever had another match in, in arena mexico and i'm looking real quick it does look like they only had the one uh mm-hmm. one match that we know about but it's certainly possible that they also you know ran this match in in you know uh, guadalajara or jalisco or just someplace where it just didn't end up getting on the radar of the people who make lists like that. Exactly, exactly, because, yeah, these guys wrestled so much, it's ridiculous. Right, so it's certainly possible. Like you said, the you you said uh, Parado uh, had, had a hair match in the Rio Grande Valley, right? Relatively recently? Yeah, it was like um, like three years ago against Corazon, uh, Corazon del Barrio. And um, he's like this Monterrey, like, exotic dancer, wrestler type, and... I thought, I was uh, telling a friend that I just thought it was funny that, um, I guess for like the last 10 years, Pirata Morgan's always getting into feuds with these like pretty boys from like Monterrey, <laughs> like, and they always end like in hair versus hair matches, and uh, he always ends up losing the hair, obviously, too, but, um, and then even like a few years ago, um, I think in IWRG, um, he had a match with, um, who was it, um, he had a match with somebody that was really bloody, too, like, I can't remember who, but, um, He's had, like, some really bloody hair versus hair matches over the years, and I'm thinking, like, he's already in his mid to late 50s, and he's still, like, one of... Because I guess nobody bleeds anymore. I guess he's still really one of the best bleeders, like, in wrestling. So, 62. So, he's born in 62. So, that oh, wow. means he's almost uh, almost 60, right? 59. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 58. So, yeah, 58. That's, that's not young. Uh, I, I'm 44, and it, you know I feel it. I back. I pulled my back the other day, lifted my my son out of the car seat. So you know, like in some way, that stuff catches up with you. Yeah, like for example, I'm looking at the the uh, the record now. There is there's no there's no uh, they don't have that the hair match that you talked about in the list of his Apuestas matches. So mm-hmm. certainly happened, and and you know it uh, 
so I imagine that while we don't know that there's another dandy match out there, I think <laughs> if you had to, I think it's a coin flip bet that there probably was. Mm-hmm, at some exactly. point somewhere and it was probably awesome and you know <laughs> yeah he's got it yeah i was saying he pretty boys looks like he lost his hair to latin lover in dallas in <laughs> 2003 he lost his hair to heavy metal uh and uh in uh uh knucklepot in 2003 too so he definitely has a period where he's losing him to the pretty boys exactly oh, and I, i'm seeing the list and yeah the one i was thinking about was uh mascaraños or uh, from 2017 that he beat Pirata Morgan and Pirata Morgan that's like one of the worst like uh, not worst but like I guess visually it looks so bad like bleeding like blade jobs I've seen like he's just covered in blood and it's like like the Muta scale and it's like and this was three years ago so he's still like bleeding <laughs> Mascara you know Mascara you know Mill not a or this I guess is Mascara and you know, Mill Jr. So I say so he is a little younger uh-huh. Um, although he also lost, well, wait a minute. He lost. Looks like he lost one to Mascaranito's mill as well in Nakopon. Oh wow! I'm looking, at oh, the, yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking at the thing. It looks like he lost it to Mascaranito's mill in 2010, and then Mascaranito's mill junior in 2013. Wow! Uh, I, so Mascaranito's mill still in 2010. Those guys are both pretty old at that point. But yeah. but like I said, you mentioned one of the things about Parati. So great talking trash. Oscar mm-hmm. Smill, another guy who was, was tremendous at using what he had in a way, right? Like even when he got old, even when he got, you know, a little less athletic, he was a guy who could work a match around a smirk and a, you know, a strut and a cover his ears with his, you know, like he's a guy, was a master of all those little tricks that, you know, veterans could do in wrestling and stay in. It's like when you see a guy in the NBA, right, who gets a little... You know, I know you're a big Spurs fan. Mato Ginobili, in the end of his career, didn't have that athleticism anymore, but could still find a way to get himself to the line, you know, get a little, you know, get a little distance for a three, all those old tricks. And I think in a lot of ways, luchadors kind of do that same sort of thing, right? Where they're masters of all those old tricks. So true, yeah. Like, I remember, like, five years ago, I took a friend to go see Pirata Morgan, and my friend was, like, so surprised at how much, like, shit Pirata Morgan was talking and how much like cursing he was doing but it's kind of like accepted like within Lucha Libre that like even if little kids are there like small kids like Pirata Morgan or Lucha Dores are just gonna swear a lot <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna swear they're gonna bleed little kids are gonna come into the bloody rig and do uh do somersaults in the bloody rig after the rig is bloody it's kind of how, how the world works <laughs> like I said the same sort of spirit that had Pirata Morgan uh, work a week later after after his eye falls out of his head, like same sort of thing. I, I, uh... <laughs> and it's funny because he sells his shirt too, and I, and I bought it. And uh, and in the back it says "Hoy es un buen día para partir de tu madre," which is kind of like him saying like "Today's a good day to fuck you up." Do you wear just wear that shirt around? <laughs> I I wear it around my neighborhood, but like. Uh, I try not to wear it out too much. <laughs> you don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. You're not you're not the biggest guy in the world. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You don't necessarily want to be in like the, the the bar or something like that. Somebody decides to <laughs> test your metal on your Prada Morgan T-shirt. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and it's funny. It's funny too now that uh, we're talking about this. A, a friend of mine uh, was asking me about Pirata Morgan. We were both like. 
uh, we both had the same experiences with him that like whenever you buy something from him he immediately asks you to put it on so like uh when i bought the shirt from him he just asked me like put it on and one time when i bought um an eye patch from him and it was an eye patch that he was wearing so it was all sweaty and like it was already kind of like a bit dirty and like i bought it from him and he immediately asked me to put it on so there's like a funny picture of me like putting on his sweaty eye patch and like sweat getting into my eye (laughs) that's excellent All right. Well, Eduardo, this was great talking to you, my friend. I really, you know, we've been sort of circling each other online for two decades almost now. And it's good to finally, you know, talk in person and have a chat about some of our favorite things. Exactly. Yeah, because I I was thinking about it today that like through Death Valley Driver and then Pro Wrestling Only, Wrestling KO, and now Twitter, like I've known you for like since like the early 2000s pretty much. Yeah. I think it's been, it's been around that long. I mean, it's we're not is we have a little more gray in our hair than we did at one point for sure, my friend. But this is this is great. Do you want to uh, plug anything? We're in the plug period of this. Um, I guess people okay, like follow me on Twitter at uh, Far From Heaven, P H A R R, and then From Heaven, and like I try to post like different lucha libre or wrestling clips from time to time, so they could check it out there on Twitter. And you have a Patreon, right? Oh, yeah, it's a Patreon. Yeah, people can check out my Patreon on patreon.com backslash farfromheaven, uh, P-H-A-R-R, the same spelling in from heaven. And people could definitely check it out. And I write about different stuff there from, like, wrestling to conjunto music to, like, regional um, history here in South Texas. So um, I do a lot of that. And I'm hoping sometime in the future to, like, interview Pirata Morgan. So that's, like, a goal. Well, actually, to interview both Pirata Morgan and Dandy, that's, like, those are like the two guys I want to interview the most because I think both guys are like really good talkers and they have like really good re- um, recollection of their history together and their own career. So I think they would be really cool to interview one day. Oh man, that'd be awesome! If we do, if you do that, we'll 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 put it on this feed. Oh, awesome! As a as a, as a special edition of uh, <laughs> of 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 the Wave the Blade podcast. Uh, the uh, with the, your, your, I guess it would be in Spanish, but I, there's a lot of people who speak Spanish, so I think it would be cool, really cool. Well, right, it was great talking to you. Um, this match is you can uh, watch this match if you've never seen it, it's on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. and we will be back next week talking about another match. The book, uh, Way of the Blade, is available when you are hearing this for pre order or order, depending on when you are hearing this on Amazon. So I think, uh, everybody, there's some great art. Some of the best writing I think I've ever done is in this book, and I think it's really cool, and people enjoy it. And hopefully, if you've listened to us talk for, you know, uh, three quarters of an hour about Parada Morgan and El Dandy, then you should uh, get a book and also read a little bit about Parada Morgan and El Dandy and a lot of other things as well. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for having me, Phil, and I'm super excited to and look forward to the book. All right. Talk to you soon, my friend. All right. Take care.